Secret Friends Unite! Welcome to the Secret Friends Unite podcast. <laughs> this is your guide to the geek side, and I'm your host, Todd Oxtra, and joined by Charlie Carden for episode 317. Yes, yes, yes. 317, uh, which is typically uh, the date of St. Patrick's Day, of which is this upcoming week. So how do we swing that? Top of the morning to me. Yes, my sister's birthday. I have yeah. to get her a gift still. But I looked at her Amazon wish list and there was not much on it. So, oh, man. Um, yeah, so I asked her hubby and maybe he will tell me something because I was going to get her something. But, you know, they just moved into a new house and right. uh, maybe they want maybe she wants some something nice to fill it up. Yeah, that is, a, that is a modern day faux pas, not having a full Amazon wish list. Tisk tisk. Yes. What and do I don't believe do? in giving gift cards for gifts. I just find it like irrelevant. It's basically here is money. Now for my birthday, give me money in return. It just, right. it just is. It, it's I, just like. I, I cared enough to get you yeah. something and not care. I, yes. I don't I don't necessarily share that feeling, but I understand where you're coming from. Yes. I'm all for someone making a gift card that is maybe for a something specific you like. Like so oh. maybe or something like that. Versus Amazon. Because I right, care enough like, to know that you like things. Somebody gets you a gift card at like Cabela's or something, which God is Cabela's. Yeah, if it reflects Cabe- your if your flex your interests. Yeah, did Cabela's go out of business? I might have used an antiquated. Uh, there are I, some, yeah, that we had. I think they did, but you know, obviously, I, I, our listeners care a lot. Our gift a gift card to Kmart of the two of them we have here in Michigan. <laughs> yes, yes, that's right. Uh, going on, so uh, yeah, we're back together again after having great uh, guests last week. We are just the dynamic duo this week, and we're going to talk about a movie that I had never seen its alternate cut and that is superman to the donner cut that's going to be our thunderdome topic um but before we get too far down the road we're going to talk about this wonderful comic book cover that also is 317 charlie pick charlie it's your pick tell us all about it it was my pick i thought you know i'm uh, this episode's about superman i'm on a bit of a superman kick uh so this is action comics the was action comics the original comic that kicked off to dc era or was that and then D- detective comics was around for a while before batman was introduced but i'm almost almost certain of that so this is issue obviously 317 is from october of 1964 and it's a it's a four panel the first panel said see the man of steel's face turn blue from sadness white from shock green with envy in the rainbow faces of superman i just i love these emotive covers from the 50s and 60s that just Add up to almost nothing. Yellow from fear. I t- oh no, the bottom of it got cut off. It's something he's holding. He's gray and he's holding a newspaper that says Luther escapes again. So you assume he's pretty pissed off. And then there's two chicks kissing him, and he has flesh-colored face. I don't. You know what? Again, entirely irrelevant to absolutely everything, but it's dumb and it makes for a good uh, kind of an eye-catching cover. But yeah, just a lot of exposition. I mean, God. Most comic covers that I see today don't really have much writing on them at all. Like yeah. I can think, I can think of the last ten or fifteen issues of the Amazing Spider-Man. Now, which they've been focusing on a particular story that's kind of very grim and gritty. No, no writing at all. So to see something like this, it's like, geez, you're kind of giving away the store, you know. And there's really there's no mystique, you know. How much more do you have packed inside? But I'm sure there was tons. 
I'm sure it gave away the plot completely. You know, the, their their ability to make allusions to something and tell the whole story. It's like a bad movie trailer. You know, that's why you buy a comic because you know you want to make sure what happened on the outside was exactly what happened on the inside. And right. typically, it does not. It's that's right. one of the uh, the biggest uh, flim flams in the business is that didn't happen. Or you right. get an awesome looking cover and then you get the art the fill in artist uh, from Mad Magazine. You know, and then you're like, <laughs> oh. What me worry? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I'm guessing the where he's he's uh, uh, blushing and getting the girls kissed. It's probably a pink kryptonite where he's oh, embarrassed, oh, or he's a lady man. I don't know. It could be one of the. We just have to guess. I'm just I'm just I'm just guess. How could I possibly guess? So yes. Anyway. Yeah, Fun Action stuff. Comics number one was Superman's debut, a rarity back in the day where actually you started off with that character in his very own first appearance in number one of a comic. So right, very and and cool. very oddly not named after him because the comic was more about action than it was about Superman, I guess. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, that, that was the back of the day. You used to have those like anthology books where it was always rotating, and you have somebody else, and maybe it's stuck. Oh, they they there they are. This is a great like All Star Squadron or something like that, and yeah. A lot of fun times with uh, comic books back in the day. I'm guessing that was around the early 60s is when this comic debuted. So um, thanks, Superman. It's going to be a very Superman-type uh, um, episode. So hold on, kids. And, you know, it's all about truth, justice, and the secret friend's way. Oh, yes, absolutely. But we don't get that kicked off unless we're talking to uh, a certain uh, sextagenarian news anchor by the name of Madam Webb, yeah? All right, so let's check in with our gal pal, our senior news correspondent. So without further delay, Madam Webb, take it away! Now it's time for Madam Webb's rumors and news. Take it away, boys. Thank you, Madam Webb. Oh, my goodness. I heard you got your first vaccination shot. Uh, Unfortunately, you bought it off the black market, so you are now cured of scurvy. Yay! Ah, scurvy. Arr! Yes, this the semen's curse. <laughs> Long, hard, and full of semen. Got it. Oh, yes, yes, yes. So we start off with the news this week, and this is a fun one because I, I think Charlie says he doesn't care about things, but then he truly does. So one of those things he truly despises his avatar for some reason it's not like it hurt it's not like it killed his parents and now is his arch enemy or something like that but he you does don't, just, you don't know what it did to me but i think most people are just kind of like aloof to avatar it's like yeah it happened but oh. it made a lot of money so that's fine but charlie is like now the fact that it is now dethroned officially avengers from the global box office champ charlie was nationally thief and so who cares about it versus avengers you've got to win this for us for disney you think Disney is going to take this laying down? Get ready for a five and a half hour double feature of Infinity War and Endgame to come back and take the world over. I'm just telling you, it's not over. I'm just telling you, it's not over. Charlie, it's never over because Disney owns both, and they don't care. They love this. It's like it's like giving your, you know, it's it's like um, you know, you know, picking your favorite child. If they both do well, you don't care. If they do both do badly, oh well. <laughs> Yeah, well, that's because you have one kid. No, I'm just kidding. That's true. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so uh, apparently China's really they they actually achieved their 
biggest opening ever a couple weeks ago. So their box office is really coming back into play and their movie market is definitely surging back. Um, and their growth of the box office is just, it's kind of crazy. I think the last 10 years they've opened up, you know, additional like 3000 movie theaters, which for us, that's like, that's like kind of what we get now in our, in the United States. So it's kind of crazy, but yeah, I mean, it's interesting to see, this is kind of a forebearer of what we're going to see. Hopefully eventually is the box office coming back. We'll talk about those numbers. You know, we'll have our box office, uh, summer game it'll be a lot oh, of fun but yes I look but to yeah it. there was only a 7.82 million gap between endgame and avatar and now uh avatar is displaced it with 8.9 million dollars and maybe it'll stick around um because you know it's been 10 years since that movie debuted actually over 10 years 12 11 yeah. years yeah yeah yeah, yeah. and it's yeah and it's one of those things where it's like, I guess it's time for a whole new generation to experience that film because it's been largely, like we said, there hasn't been a sequel in 12 years. So, and we're not, I think we're finally getting one in 2022. So they just want to get this, they just want people to remember Avatar exists and this is their way to do it. So, I mean, Marvel even nicely tweeted at them. Charlie said, congratulations to Jim Cameron, all of you, all of the Navi Nation for reclaiming the box of Skrung. We love you 3000. That does display a certain level of uh, of class. But again, like you said, because of Disney, it's the snake eating its own tail. So they don't really care whichever way it shakes out because it's still lining their pocket. So I get it. Yeah, if they, I get if they, it. If they owned Deuce Bigelow, Pet Detective, um, that would be uh, something they'd want to do well as well. But it's what? No, I, I, convinced, I mixed up my detectives. I was going to say, did you, did, you, did you do that on purpose? Your detectives and gigolos. <laughs> I'm sure there was oh. a spinoff that that's what it was. He basically became a pet detective, just like Ace Ventura. Oh, well. well. Don't Yeah, don't forget the Rule 33 that if it exists, there's pornography about it. So it's always possible. Absolutely. Or was Next that rule 34? I don't know. But anyway, moving on. Uh, Amazon, uh, Amazon's The Boys, which we love here, and we did a we did a feature length uh, cast about a little while back. Uh, spinoff cast its first superhero. So Amazon Studios R rated college themed spinoff. So it's like what the hell's a great college TV show? Accepted? Was that a show or was that a movie? Like with Justin Long and. Trying to think of like a show that was about college. Say by the bell, the college years. Oh, there was um yeah, the undergrad was that undergrad a show? I don't remember. Uh, Gilmore Girls took place in college part of the uh time. Yeah. I mean I I yeah, you're well, right. Undeclared, most, that was the college. There you go. Yeah, there's always there's always some show like, like Smallville goes to like the college, you know, whatever and again we're talking about Superman goes to the college uh function. But anyway, uh so that yeah, they cast their first young superhero in the rookie and Southland alumni Lizzie Broadway. Now that is not someone uh, whose work I'm familiar with, but her previous credits include ABC's The Rookie, The Lost Boys TV movie. I don't think I saw that. Was that that wasn't the, that wasn't the directive video one that had the, the surviving Corey in it? Was it? Was there another Lost Boys? The Frog Brothers. Remember they made those Frog Brother movies for? Right, right, right. It's right, got to right. be one of those directive video ones. Yeah. But, oh, and, and here's some real winners. So, a uh, uh, trio shows my wife loves Chicago PD, NCIS, uh, Bones on Fox, and then TNT Southland. I know that, that April watched a lot of those, so maybe she So, this it. is a cop show? <laughs> well, it says the R rated spinoff for the boys will take place on a superhero college campus run by uh, Vought International. Uh, the untitled mm-hmm. uh, spinoff is described as uh, irreverent, R rated series that explores the lives of hormonal competitive soups as they put their physical, sexual, and moral boundaries to the test. 
Yikes. Part college show, part Hunger Games and all satire and raunch. So, I mean, The Boys is, jeez, uh, uh, we just absolutely love it. It's, you know, it's exactly, it's imagine the Justice League if they were all a bunch of homicidal, you know, narcissistic sociopaths. It's great. Um, yeah, you know, yeah and, give the Kardashians yeah. super hot powers. That'll go well. Yeah, exactly. So this sounds like fun. Uh, I would imagine if this is uh, in production, we might be seeing this. I know that season three of The Boys is rolling cameras right now, but I don't know that we get uh, a head off uh, of when we might see this, but I would imagine a year seems reasonable to me. I mean, what do you think? Uh, yeah, I'd say so. I mean, yeah, you're you're from start of production, maybe 15 months or so makes yeah. a lot of sense. Um, and this does remind me of that spinoff of the boys story. Remember when they had that team they took on and and Huey killed uh, uh, by accident, that weird team that they were trying to get blackmail on. This seems like it's taken from that. Oh, the teen wasn't it teens teen squeam or teen something? Yeah, other. they had a name. They were, they were a superhero teens team. And yeah. one of one of them translated in the show was Popclaw, and she was the one who you know. <laughs> yeah. Oh no no no! Not, killed the dude mm, with her thighs. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. So this should be fun. Uh, yes. That that universe is big. I, this is going to be a lot of. Uh, interesting to see if it can pan out i mean you don't always you can't always repeat the same type of story and get the same success from it but maybe there's a a new flavor they can add to it but i like it i like it me too all right what's next all right well uh a show i enjoy but i need to really dig into it um is doom patrol i'm about two episodes into season two really love the show you are two episodes ahead of us because yeah we watched the first season oh you finished the first season yeah, on DC Universe, but then I kind of lost interest in DC Universe, and that went okay. away, but then that turned into HBO Max, and so obviously it's it's accessible in that fashion. So yeah, there's definitely an occasion to go back. Absolutely. And, you know, it is, I think HBO Max is the perfect place for this uh, show, because more eyes on it versus the DC Universe, which is, I have no clue how many people actually subscribe to that. So uh, right. it's great going to actually get some more headway but the cool part is they're adding on a pretty big bad uh to be on the show and that is michelle gomez she played uh one of the big bads in chili adventures of sabrina uh she was also uh missy in doctor who oh and she also yeah, was yeah. in the flight attendant which yeah, i have that... not watched but i want to watch oh it's fantastic and yeah i had that same experience when i was watching i'm like wow she's got a face it's really it, that's always my expression when april and i watching the show i said oh that lady's got a face uh <laughs> and then but, yeah, but meaning in so much that i'm like she looks super recognizable so i'll then have to go and look it up and yeah that, that was where i ended up clicking with her was from doctor who that, yeah. see not that I, i'm a serious whovian but we we definitely watched our share um and certainly some of them pop up and yeah i like her very much a heavy very a very intense kind of smoldering look in her in her eyes so um very intense and certainly seems to be fit the bill for a show like this so that's awesome yeah she's one of those actresses that i think even when she was like 20 years old she looked like she was like 39 yeah right exactly permanent 39 exactly it's like she doesn't look you know she looks good but she she has a very distinct look and and she's very striking so um she's gonna be playing the role of madame rouge not rogue as i it's always funny people always do that all the time they say rogue squadron and i'm like no you spelled rouge squadron it's not red so madame rouge she's a french character i believe that was against the um the uh doom patrol i think she was in the fatal five which was their uh uh, just like the teen titans they had uh enemies so um i think she's going to be part of that organization or 
another bad organization that the um this our dysfunctional heroes will have to take on um yeah this is going to be really interesting because and i like this the fact that if you do like doom patrol there is a great version of the doom patrol on um teen titans because of the cartoon teen titans um they explored beast boy's past life you know, just like, uh, you know, you got with um, Titans, same thing there. But it was interesting to see that actual team be a little bit less dysfunctional, a little more normal and actually take on supervillains in a traditional way. So if you like those type of heroes, I definitely say check out Teen Titans, the, the animated series. I believe it's on not Teen Titans Go, but Teen Titans, the original one, right. which is a little serious. Um, and that's on uh, HBO Max, too, I believe. So check that out yeah, as well. But this is cool. I did watch recently, or I kind of skimmed through because it didn't necessarily hold my attention, the, the Teen Titans, the show you're talking about, and the um, Teen Titans Go meeting through the multiverse, whatever oh, it is. Oh, I haven't and, watched that yet. I need to watch that. But yeah, that's the beauty of HBO Max is that they have, it feels like they have next to every DC Comics production out there except Batman 66, which I went and turned around and bought, and the Super Friends. It drives me nuts! I would sit and watch Super Friend from from uh, neck to nuts, and I missed my opportunity to do it because it was on DC Universe, but now it's not on HBO Max, which is super frustrating. So I have to imagine it'll show up there eventually. But it's just that's I you know I kick myself that I didn't sit and watch it when I had the opportunity was on when it was on DC Universe. So whatever that that doesn't make any sense to me. But there obviously there must be a reason. So yes, sure it will come. It'll be resolved at some point. Yes, the, uh, the 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 group that she was in, I just read it. I couldn't remember. It's the Brotherhood of Evil, um, a really interesting group with a, a with a monkey who I believe has a French accent, a brain, uh, basically a, a talking brain. Lots of good stuff there. Um, and the Brotherhood of Evil. I mean, I think every comic book has a Brotherhood of Evil in it. So much Brotherhood and so much evil. Well, moving on, uh, Mission Impossible 7. My wife loves these movies, but to me, it's kind of like The Fast and the Furious. You don't really have any idea what's from one to the next, but I thought this was kind of significant. It was my ad uh, that the cast of this next movie is, is, is totally off the chain. There's like 50 people in it, but they just picked up, obviously, joining Tom Cruise, who's still the star, and running funny and jumping out of planes and jumping out of windows, doing all his own stunts until he obviously falls off a plane and, 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 and dies and somebody films it. Uh, but uh, be, he'll be being joined by uh, Rob Delaney from Deadpool 2, uh, Charlie Parnell from Top Gun Maverick, which we've still not seen. Is that? Do they have a date for that this summer? I would think uh, it's like it's in a July film or is it a fall? I think it's a fall. It moved out to like the fall. Oh, my gosh. Uh, Indria Varma from Game of Thrones. Mark Gaddish uh, from Sherlock. And then Carrie Elways, I think, is the most significant one, because certainly those of our generation uh, absolutely love him. Also, Shea Winningham, Haley Atway, uh, Haley Atwell, uh, Palm uh, Clemertief, who is, of course, Mantis. You got Mantis and Peggy Carter and Isai Morales, who's uh, a great accomplished actor. I remember, of course, from Caprica, you know, Todd's favorite Battlestar show. Um, but yeah, you, you know, joining returning cast, I'm Peg Ving Rames, Rebecca Ferguson, Angela Bassett. And so it's like everybody and their mother is going to be in this damn movie. Will it make it any better? Because, again... I don't know about you. I mean, Tad, have you kept up with these movies? Oh, we own them all because April loves them. She's like, yeah, it used to be a thing. I would grab a disc from the library and you could do the disc to digital on Voodoo where you snag the code. And then if you were cheap, you could update, update it in standard definition, which makes Todd throw up. 
Or you could spend $5 and get it in HD. Well, that $3 window was obviously a little bit too much for me. And I will admit there's more than one time that I didn't spend it because I knew how upsetting it would be to Todd. But that that's what friendship is. <laughs> oh, yes, yes, yes. Hurting your own eyes for uh, to spite me. It seems like a well-placed plan. Um, I did laugh, though, when you said one of the actors, Carrie Elwes, uh, was also in Hot Shots. So... And Top Gun, kind of making fun of that. It's kind of like a 360, 180, uh, a, you know, connection between the two. A, a 360, it turned all the way around? Absolutely. And they looked at each other and they said, I've got the need I, I, for speed. Oh, yeah. Instead of I loved you in Wall Street. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, yes. But, yeah, this – I mean – if anything, those movies are highly entertaining. I think they, they the first two are kind of generic. The third, though, I think that was the one that J.J. did, J.J. Abrams, and it just yes. really found its footing. And then they've had really good directors. They are over the top, just like, oh, what's he going to do next? Um, just like the Fast Viewers. Are they going to fly a, uh, a Datsun into the moon? Yes, they will. <laughs> Count on it. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, I mean, they're always entertaining. I think I can't never remember which ones I've seen because it's like, right. oh, yeah, I think I saw not. So I have not seen all of them, but I've loved all of them. I've enjoyed, well, I've enjoyed all of them. They're very satisfying. I think the last one I saw was on a plane to Florida uh, when we were going to Disney two years ago. So, um, yeah, I need to watch the last one. I don't think I ever saw yeah, that. Like a we have. Much. I'm pretty sure. And check, check my. Aren't they on Paramount Plus now, too? Uh, I'm not sure. I mean, Paramount Plus, obviously, they, they I don't know that they have absolutely all their content, but the stuff is on my voodoo. You just go there and look for it. I think you'll find it. All. I, I think you'll find it all because, again, April really likes them. So that was we kind of picked them up kind of in sequence. So you should find them there. Should you decide that you have rather than use an app that has everything. But you make me feel justified in buying it. If you're you making me watch them. In, <laughs> if you're going to make me watch them in SD, man. Well, what if know. they what what if they make you watch it, Nasty? What are you gonna do that? Oh, I'm sure they would. <laughs> uh, all the Mission Impossible films, it looks like, even including the TV series, look to be on Paramount Plus. Really? Now, is that currently, or is that that slated to happen? Or sorry, no, it's one, two, and three. I bet the other ones are probably on other services because of contractual issues until they can finally get them back. So you can watch them on my voodoo, and you just put your put and just put your hand over your eyes, and you can listen and not watch. If I look with the eyes squinted, they'll look great. <laughs> you got it. Is that Tom Cruise or a raisin? I can't. Oh, that. raisin in the sun, melting. Yes. Oh, I'm actually watching the the, the California raisins movie. Who knew? <laughs> Heard <laughs> oh. it through the grapevine. <laughs> Yes, yes. Bring bring claymation back, please. Yes. We'll, yes. That would be terrific. Yes. All right. Next story is very cool. I'm glad you picked the story, Charlie, because what they've been doing, DC has been doing with continuing a lot of its old properties that are no longer like um, on, you know, basically being made in, in either cartoon or movie is they're basically or TV is basically making a comic book series out of them. Um, and Batman the Animated Series back in the day did have a spinoff at the same time comic, and it basically did more stories in the Batman the Animated Series universe. Um, but now it's it's really come back again. And it's being done by one of the creators of Batman the Animated Series, which was uh, Paul Dini. And um, it's called The Adventures Continues, and it's relaunching with number one. The cover looks awesome. It's got Dead Man on it and, and Superman or Batman. And then in the background, The Court of Owls. Woo! 
I very love it. Cool. Very, very cool. We just talked about them not that long ago. And the fact is, once again, they're being incorporated into more corners of the uh, Batman universe. I'll even, you know, obviously outside of just the comic book is pretty cool. You know, absolutely. Like I said, that was that was that was a cracker, Jack. I loved reading that. Love talking about it. You know, I certainly feel like that's the best Batman story I've ever read. So uh, prolif- proliferation of that is awesome. I actually started watching Batman, the animated series on HBO Max within the last couple of weeks. And uh, you want to talk about SD? That really does not look like it survived the test of time just from a visual standpoint. Um, and even a lot of the, the references seem a lot of dated. But again, I mean, it, just in the first 10 episodes, they roll out. They have an episode defining really every great Batman villain. So they just did not hold back. But I never really understood, was that supposed to be set in the Batman, the animated series, Averse? I mean, was that supposed to be like a like a continuation of that Tim Burton movie? Or no. It was that uh, no, it was Roman? just doing okay. something. Doing okay. something. They basically said they wanted an iconic, basically an iconic take on Batman that could be kind of timeless. And okay. in, in the way they animated it, uh, using black backgrounds versus white, they, gotcha. they did a lot with it. And Charlie, that was actually remastered for Blu-ray, actually, not that long ago. So it is an HD. It was remastered. So yeah. I mean, is are we sure, are you sure that it's on HD and HBO Max? Because it just looked really crackly to me. So it could be my imagination. I, I well, we'll I mean, it's it's still attention. old. It's still old animation. It's not like yes. they can redo it. They didn't remaster the or they they might have tweaked some of the 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 art and things like that. But right. um, yeah, it's 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 it was completely uh remastered, cleaned up uh in gotcha. HD. So yeah, and that celebrates his 30th anniversary next year, which is yeah. insane. You know, yeah, fall fall of 92, I remember what a big deal that was. And that was after, I think, the summer gave us the uh, Batman Returns with uh, Danny DeVito as the Penguin. And it's a Christmas movie. We watched that one at Christmas. It was a big deal. But, yeah, still still not a fan of, of that. When it comes to the that original four-pack of, of Batman movies from the 80s and 90s, I, just, I stick with Tim Burton with his first one. So, anyway, that's just me. Yes, yeah, so you can check this out. It's digital only, um, and it is coming out June 11th. So uh, no need to go to the comic book store. Although they potentially will re- will print this down the road, like they have some of the other digital only ones. Gotcha. Yeah, I mean digital only. And again, you know, I've talked a lot about comic shops and and wanting to support them. But my purchases at any comic shop are always about collectibles because. I left print comics behind probably about a year or so ago, and it's absolutely the way to do it. When you, when you travel or you don't want to drag a comic box along, even from upstairs to downstairs, it just makes a lot of sense. But again, everybody's habits are different. I think comic shops can absolutely survive if they diversify, you know, and, and, and have different offerings. So, but yeah, digital digital really does seem to be the it's way. It's the so. collector versus reader. I'm a the reader, col- not a collector. Yeah, I'm it's, I'm the same way. I mean, I, I take all my print comics and I give them to my friend's kid because he's eight years old. I know he'll enjoy them, and I you know my eyes are my, my eyes are too squinty to read something that small. So <laughs> anyway, to store digital comics. It, it's cheaper to store digital comics because you don't have to do anything at all. So yes. uh, anyway, moving on. Next story is one I actually talked about over on Code Forty Seven. Uh, also uh, coming out this week, uh, and our guest was Aaron. Uh, Davies, who is a, a fellow Starfleet International uh, crew member uh, of mine who joined me because Alex was not available. But the Strange New Worlds uh, show uh, starring uh, Anson Mount of Christopher Pike, which is huge for me. 
I love the portrayal in Discovery season two. I, you know, he's my biggest cosplay. He's my favorite. Uh, that show also is going to star uh, Ethan Peck, who's a grandson of Gregory Peck. I don't know if everybody knew that as young Lieutenant Spock, and then Rebecca Romaine as number one, uh, all from the original star trek pilot which was the cage never aired uh back in 1964 but uh they had a great great season great portrayals of the characters so much so that they, they now have their own show um but this show is going to feature and it was funny when aaron and i were talking about it it's a laundry list of actors that i don't have i barely know who any of these people are and i think that that's not a bad thing because you get um some of the greatest portrayals of characters in shows that I can think of are from people who just absolutely came out of nowhere. I mean, would you agree? Absolutely, because you don't have to worry about, oh, I hated them in this. I mean, we all have like 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 me and Tom Cruise, right? Like, yeah, ah, I mean, everybody's Tom got Cruise. a got yeah. a got a um, you know an actor that they just can't stand because maybe a role they played that was made them have to play the role that way versus themselves. So you get coming you know a little bit biased towards a character, and that can be bad. This way, you you can say, wow, they can make them their own, and which is great. Um, and hopefully these are very strong actors. You wouldn't cast an unknown unless they were good because you could cast somebody who's well known, um, right. that is good as and, just as easily. So yeah, this is pretty yeah. cool. And have yeah. better opportunity. So, uh, castmates are going to be, and again, I, I I didn't even try this dude's last name, but his name is a gentleman, Babs Osulamokan from Black sure. Mirror, uh, Christina Chong from Doctor Who, uh, Cecilia Rose Gooding, who it doesn't list anything here, but as we read the article that that Aaron and I were looking at, she is a Broadway actress, which is very exciting. Always the very best. Uh, some of the very best are, are stage actors. Jess Bush from Playing for Keeps does ring a bell. And uh, Melissa Navia from New Amsterdam. I think that was a hosp- that was like a medical show my wife watches. Bad or a I cop think. Show. I think either yeah, exactly. Sure. 50, 50. Yeah. Sure. Why not? Doctor so, Cop Lawyer. Doctor Cop Lawyer. Or if it was like Jag, it was Doctor Cop Lawyer, Naval Officer Pilot. Fighter pilot. Yeah. Exactly. If so you can't your uh, case, shoot them with missiles. Exactly. So there was uh, there was confirmation about a month ago uh, through I think the Instagram of Ethan Peck that he was he's from California, but that he was in Toronto because there's a picture on Instagram of like a shopping cart frozen in a snowbank or something like he must be in Toronto. Um, but then there was nothing. And but yeah, uh, but production is swinging. Um, but you know my question uh, certainly as an avid trekker and then as a trek podcaster is. When will we see this? You know, is this something that we'll see maybe next January like they did with Picard? Because Picard is also in production season two. So, yeah, yeah really nearly with a lot of their stuff. I mean, we know that um, typically it had always been like, oh, Discovery always comes out around, you know, November through January. And then obviously uh, we had that huge gap where we didn't get their, um, the, you know, the last season until very late, even though it seemed like, oh, that they were they should have been able to drop before covid because that would have been like 15 months. But yeah, they, right. they just must have been like, we've got to fill some gaps here. We're going to do X and Y and Z and Picard can go in first. And right. yeah. So I'll be curious where the, how they're going to balance these because um, you're so used to getting season upon season, right? You know, a, a, a year after year. And now right. they have big gaps. It can be right. frustrating. Yeah. To Everybody thrown in the mix. And so uh, this show is purportedly uh, said to follow a little bit more traditional Trek cycle of episodic television so a little bit more planet of the week you know we got to go over here and fix this problem then we'll move on and and aaron when we were recording code 47 remarked i really liked that i could tune into an episode of ds9 or an episode of voyager and just watch it 
and not have to be like, what's the big story? Like with Discovery or Picard, oh, yeah. it's one story. And yeah, if I'm watching episode three and I didn't watch episode two or episode one, what the hell's going? The recap might help a little bit, but other than that, it, it overall really you know detracts from kind of your enjoyment of it. So. Yeah, that's a hallmark of Star Trek. It was always like you could potentially get a really cool plot, a, you know, that could potentially be solved in an episode. So it was a great, you know, jumping in point, kind of like comics. You know, you always say, well, I want to start from the beginning. Well, sometimes you can't. So just start right. in the middle and, you know, keep up. You're going to have a fun time uh, doing so. And with this show, what I'm hoping we've been seeing a really good, strong representation of bringing in aliens as part of the main crew right uh, you know, obviously um you get you know one of the main characters is an alien on discovery which is fantastic i've always said right. i want more of that that are not an, and it's not an alien you've seen before who kind or kind of looks like 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 a human like a klingon so you know because there's still a little bit of makeup you know you know you right know, you see them, you're like wow he looks really different so i'm hoping we get more of that and what i hope right. they do is get away from all of the Oh, this is Earth. Earth's culture is the only thing we we acknowledge, and that's the only thing we can do. No, right. bring up other aliens' cultures and how let other people explain why they're in, interesting or different. Right, exactly. Which is one of the things that Star Trek has, without a doubt, always done extremely well. So you're right, getting away from that would be a bad thing. So, but I I, have, I, I think this is going to be dynamite. I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah, no, no, big big surprise, I'm sure. They haven't had a loss yet, which is great because by this point, something would have gone to Voyager level mediocrity or uh, enterprise. And so far they haven't. So I can't wait to see more. We'll see. Absolutely. Um, All right. Take us home. What do we got? Yeah. Last story is just, it's just, it's just nice to see how we've grown as, you know, a, a comic book community and uh, that medium is the fact that we are going to get pride uh, comics uh, very soon uh, by each of the major publishers uh, doing stories about characters that are LGBTQ um, and highlighting them in positive ways. Um, and it's great. Um, so each of them are happening. Uh, the Marvel issue is called Marvel Voices Pride, number one. Um, and it's going to be focusing on uh, characters who are um, gay, a lesbian, bisexual. Um, and it's the list of characters they're going to focus on are Mystique and Destiny. Nika Manuru and Carolina Dean, Iceman, Dokken, and Karma. Um, and then also return of uh, Avenger, Young Avengers, Alan Heinberg, and Jimmy Chung. There's going to be a new story fe- featuring Wiccan and Hulkling. So it's a it's a uh, list, great sure. list of great list of um, creators, kind of like one shot stories within this this one shot. So it's going to be kind of cool to see this come out. Uh, it's got a very cool cover. And uh, let me see, this is coming out June 23rd. It's going to be about 80 pages. So lots nice. there, probably around 10 bucks is my guess. Yeah, yeah, that's the standard these days i find with those yeah and then over yeah it looks and dc is doing the same which is awesome Mm -hmm. yeah so you know looking at the cover we're getting uh iconic characters uh such as batwoman she's been really at the forefront but you get um, uh, alan scott who when they brought in i mean he's a character from the you know silver age back right. in the day the original green lantern uh we've got some wild star characters which are who are a couple uh apollo and um oh god the midnighter which is kind of funny because like batman and superman but they're a gay couple um poison really? Ivy, like i said Flash. i've been i've been i've been digging in with the dc lately but these little bits and pieces uh yeah i, I don't know i definitely know about batwoman and then with um with Poison Ivy, and I don't know if it's reflective otherwise, but you see her uh, as a lesbian character on the Harley, uh, the cartoon, which is just absolutely fantastic. 
Yeah, so once again, this is coming out, um, and it's going to have, like I said, a lot of great creators and uh, some really cool artwork as well to uh, with this book. So 80, 80 pages, like I said, probably around uh, 10 bucks. But once again, representation matters, and to see this uh, by our big publishers tells us that our hobby is growing and getting out of the, uh, I guess, just it's a boys' club type of thing. So right. great. No, it's, I totally agree. That's good stuff. So, well, cool. Well, that's a wrap on that. So uh, we're going to have to bid adieu to Madame Webb, and we will have to move. Where are we going now? Oh, Charlie, we're going to go check out the Geek Easy, where they are now up to 50% capacity, so people can avoid them on purpose. Talk nerdy to me. Talk nerdy to me. We're sitting in the Geek Easy, the cover band's plan. We are socially distanced and ready to get our drink and geek on. Charlie, uh, you watched something old. I did watch something old, but I, I did it under uh, the pretenses of watching, wanting to watch something that was not as old. Uh, so I was looking on I've had this <laughs> on my I've had this on my wish list on Voodoo for a while now because I really loved the Crisis on Infinite Earths that the that the CW flareovers did. Was it? I say last year, but everything is really 2019, but it still feels like last year. Wasn't that, wasn't that, or was that 2020? Uh, it would have been 2020. But, it, would been, it would have been January 2020, I think. Okay. That time yeah. So really, it was a year ago. So I, not even really looking, I went and I saw, oh, they have a crisis. Oh, they have like a, you buy like four episodes or whatever. So I'm like, oh, this must be it. So I didn't do my homework. I bought this thing and I start watching and I'm like, this is not Crisis on Infinite Earths because it was called Crisis on Earth X. I'm Nazi like, Planet. Nazi Planet, which I I I, I was even aware that? of it, or I never because I quit watching those shows. Uh, okay. now, wh- when is when is didn't I? When did Supergirl even come out? Was it in like 2015? She came out. Three years after Arrow, I believe, because Flash was two years, and I think she yeah. was the last one. Yeah, because Arrow came out the fall after Smallville ended, which I think was 2011. Yeah. So, yeah, so if you do all the math, then it's like Supergirl maybe came out in 2015 or 2016. Um, so this was 2018, I think. Uh, but, yeah, it's yeah. a Nazi plan. So, yeah, it's a crossover. Between, and you're right. There's only four shows. So it should have tipped me off if there was no Batwoman because I know Batwoman had an episode that that because there were six episodes of the Crisis on Infinite Earths which I still really want to see but I think in the final analysis are those on Netflix so I still could they, go watch yeah it. the seasons are on Netflix once they wrap up yeah okay yeah because it's not on the CW app anymore so at any rate yes I did buy this uh, which is fine you know what you have to contribute to the system you have to give them some money sometimes to keep things rolling um, you know and I watched it and I enjoyed it. Um, you know, I, I wouldn't say I was, you know, on the edge of my seat, super fascinated by it, but it was fun. It was very comic booky. So yeah, you have our heroes. It, it's 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 put around uh, basically uh, the Flash and why do I keep forgetting his wife's name? Iris. Iris around their wedding, and then it turns into Oliver and Felicity talking about they wanted to get married and whatever it is, and Supergirls, you know, recovering from a breakup or this and that, and so. I love it how they can just be like, we're going to a wedding on another Earth, and they just show up. And so, yeah, they all show up, and the wedding's about to happen. And who breaks it up? Nazis from the Nazi Earth, which is Earth X. So, um, yeah, so there uh, it was a whole plot line. Basically what happened is that Nazi Supergirl 
uh, was dying of radiation poisoning. She needed a heart transplant uh, from a uh, compatible donor, which was unfortunately only herself from another Earth. So that that's really what the story focused around. So um, I dug it. I thought it was cool. Um, it's really scary to think that there's, you know, a reality where not only did the Nazis win the war, but they also have fucking superheroes to back them up. So that's kind of crazy. But obviously, in the end, the heroes prevail, yada, yada, yada. And um, and, and I thought it was fun. Um, so now I'm waiting for them to put stupid crisis on their site because I just want to buy it so I can just watch it. And I have to dick sure. Around. Yeah, that's you know pretty I mean? easy. You just, you know, you just like, I think there's always like a, a guide to it. Like, I think, oh, it's this and this and this. Great. Boom. You're right. good to go. Exactly. Um, yeah, that was a fun one. Um, I, I really enjoyed that one. And really, that's that's what that's what kind of telling about these shows. Not a lot happens. I mean, things happen, but it's not like, oh, my God, Supergirl is dead. Um, so it's it's just a great check in with those characters to see kind of where they're at. And if if really something seems really cool, you can always go back and watch the old episodes if you want or watch the new episodes going forward. But they do a great job of bringing up the new heroes as well. Um, I believe with uh, the crisis, uh, Infinite Crisis, they finally brought in Black Lightning, which was cool. Yeah, it was a good trade him. So um, more eyes on those characters that are not as, you know, popular is really cool. And um, they aren't going to have one this year, Charlie, because of COVID and everything they were supposed to do. It was supposed to be a Batwoman and Lois and Superman focused one, but apparently not happening. Yeah, bummer. Well, you know, hopefully, and again, everything is wicky wacky with production of anything last year. So, yeah. Um, yeah, hopefully things will resolve and we'll set the sights on 2021 getting more normal than 2022. Potentially, things are as normal as they could be. So, always an optimist with that kind of stuff. We'll we'll see what happens. Absolutely. So and then secondly, uh, Todd, I assume you watched the making of wrap up of WandaVision that was on, I on Friday. I did. I originally thought this was going to be more like The Mandalorian, where there would be uh, one episode per episode of this, but it right. was just a special. Right. Yeah, and it was, you know, and it, it was it was pretty much what you expected. A lot of oh, I love working with so and so because this thing and that thing, but you know, bits and pieces of an interesting a little bit here and there. I wouldn't say it was must see. Uh, like the show itself was very edge of your seat, you know, like what what we talked about last week when Christian was on. So I thought it was okay, um, but again, it 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 really wasn't terribly pivotal. I mean, what did you think? Am I am I kind of hitting all the marks? Did, did this really ramp you up? No, it was a good summary, but obviously you it wasn't going to go deep, truly deep on anything. It kind of covered you know, the, the, how they came up with all of the different aspects of it. Like the guy, the reason they chose the director was because he actually was in sitcoms in the eighties and he had done all this work and he had, he had some experience with it. So, um, and they hired one of the guys, uh, for the special, the more practical effects. Cause he worked on B because he, he's, his, uh, mentors worked on Bewitched. So he had some of that. And then they talked about how they got the music and these, this couple that they hired who basically tried to find inspiration from different things, but used essentially the same type of you know overlay of music in like the same four notes but yeah to, i, I absolutely cool. love I, like, that. I like those bits of pieces yeah but it wasn't giving you much new you got a little bit of insight from each character like how Catherine hahn got when she found out she got her part and also the same thing with monica rambeau so you got some of those right. characters in there um but yeah it was an hour long and i thought they spent a lot of time on the 50s and 60s aspect and i felt like right. they really ran out of time for everything else Right. Yeah, exactly. And it, exactly. It being an hour long. So, yeah, they, they maybe hovered a little bit. I uh, will pay you a compliment, which is very rare. I thought I just listened to our show yesterday or today for this week. And then the way how you gave us that that supercut at the end of all the WandaVision themes, that, that was awesome. 
So well, well played. You did. I'm good. glad you listened because I thought that was gonna, that was going to be fun. I was going to use something else, but I'm like, no. Nah, and I'm sure we got a, a, a takedown on YouTube for that one too. Yeah. Oh boy. Ouch. Big deal. Yeah. They Big. love us. They love us. Yeah. They don't remove it. They just tell you that if you make money, that you won't get any money from it, which is perfectly fine. Take well, my money, yeah. YouTube. I would just love to see us actually make money, just just even in the hypothetical sense. So well, then we we have to create our own music, Charlie. Oh man, well, you know, Todd, I've heard you sing, so I'm gonna say no. <laughs> yes, yes, it's all humming theme songs. We'll make up oh. our own. Although it'll all sound like tequila after a while. Right. Tequila. It also sounds like Wipeout. So. <laughs> <laughs> wow, awesome. All right, so that's it for me. What do you got? Well, I was going to say on that WandaVision making of it, it made me really think about what Game of Thrones did. I don't know if you ever watched that, Charlie, where they have the episode would end and then they would give you kind of like a five to seven minute just kind of they'd have the directors, the actors. They talk about what happened in the episode and kind of give some guidance on why they did it or why this. And I like I really love that so much because it kind of redressed some of the things that happened. And it just really and also highlighted how they did it. And I really would have liked to seen that with this kind of like Mandalorian. It was the opposite where I don't want an hour of how they did it on every episode, but just enough. So we need like that little, you know, the Goldilocks format for this. But I I, I did enjoy it. But, yeah, it was very much just like a here's an hour of how we did it, but we really didn't go too deep. So um, it's not going to probably satisfy those who really want that really deep director's cut action. Right. Exactly. Commentary. Yeah. Good deal. Yeah, so two things. We're going to talk about um, the Donner Cut, but very quickly, I forgot that Richard Donner was actually requested to write a comic book with um, Jeff Johns back in the – well, so it would have been 2005 um, because Jeff Johns is – reveres Richard Donner and his – And and Jeff Johns is the dude, and he's a – not only a Michigan native, but he's a MSU graduate just like you and me. Yeah, and yeah. you went to Clarkson, yep, so that's where a lot of my family lives um, in Clarkson. So, yeah, so I was going to read that because I don't think I ever really got into it. So there's a collection on both Comixology and um, and I think it's it's on DC Infinite, obviously, there too. But um, I was just starting to read the first issue, so I don't want to go too deep into it. But man, oh man, when somebody can tell a comic – or write a comic and they can just get into the meat of what this whole thing is about and really get into it just reminds me how good comics can be you know it's not like that it's not mm-hmm. taking forever it's like if within like two pages you know what's going on this is your this is your big thing and you can tell a story in and, and the way they tell the story and all the panels really good this is an andy kubert uh does the art in it it's awesome and so i think it's like a six i'm trying to think that find the issue where it kicks off but it was an ongoing story it was 844 was the issue number december 06 sorry but yeah it was it was kind of like a collaboration between jeff johns and richard donner obviously richard donner has never wrote comics before so i'm sure jeff johns kind of took his ideas and put it into a way that made sense but yeah i, I think i'm gonna check this out because it looks really good and it's and it's before the new 52 so it was really what superman used to be without all the baggage right it was just kind of like you could tell these one these standalone stories and just really have fun with a character um and sometimes it did have legacy and sometimes it did so i think that's really a really good book to check out so i'm gonna probably read that and just really get the sense for it and, and if it succeed or not but just reading the very beginning of it charlie it's just like a Donner movie because it opens up in the Fortress of Solitude. He puts mm-hmm. on one of the crystals, talks to Jor-El. So I mean, it's right. like the guy has his take on Superman. I think Jeff, I think right. Jeff Johns just loved uh, being able to collaborate with him. So very cool. That's awesome. just, Good deal. Good deal. Director do that. Yeah. So I mean, just wait until we get other directors like you know the 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 um, the um, 
Russo brothers doing they're, 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 they've always wanted to do an Archie comic, so maybe they can do it in the future. I want to see Kevin Smith doing, you know, a, uh, a well, okay. He's actually done some serious comics, but yeah, let's have him do a Batman 66. That's like all potty humor. What do you think? That would be great. I think it would be perfect. Yeah. yeah like uh, shagging, <laughs> like, like Austin Powers shagging all the time. Yeah. Oh, there great. you go. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and then um, what I really want to talk about was um, Raya and the Last Dragon. Uh, this is Disney Plus. They have their premiere rentals. So they had the first one they had was Mulan, which we rented. We had a good time with that movie. Uh, and then we decided to do it again with Raya and the Last Dragon. It was thirty dollars. It's going <gasps> to come to Disney Plus. God, you I know. money? How? I, I just yeah, stop the press. That I mean, you buried the lead on that one, babe. That should have been top of the key. Todd spends money. Uh, not cheap, yes, in this format. Uh, yeah, but I'm like, you know what? I've not sp- seen a movie, like a real big movie in a long time. So you know what? Why not? I, it's not like I'm my, – my entertainment budget is so small – you know, has, has has not really been spent over well, the last you know, year. I, and I've kind of been the same way willy-nilly picking up stuff on Voodoo. I'm like, well, you know, if I really want to watch something new or we add this extra service, I'll just – I'll buy this movie. It's 10 bucks, or I'll buy this movie. It's 5 bucks, or whatever it is. You know what I mean? So yeah, I totally get it. Yeah, so I the same thing actually with the the new Bill and Ted film. I haven't watched it, but I bought it. So maybe in the future we can talk about that. You can obviously borrow it from me, uh, you know, from my local library. The local library. Yes, <laughs> yes. But um, yeah, this movie is by uh, the Disney Animated Studios. Uh, they are behind uh, Frozen, uh, Tangled, uh, Moana. Uh, Zootopia, I think, are the main, the main films that they've done. And they're a phenomenal studio. I don't know what changed to really make top their game versus Pixar, but I would say they rival Pixar in many ways uh, for their quality, the stories, the writing. It's really well done. This one was really cool. Um, I, I really enjoyed it. It was basically a reimagining of a fictional Asian country in a fantastical setting uh there are dragons and they basically support the humans um but uh, unfortunately bad things happen which then uh divided the humans into different um uh call them like regions or or, or i guess uh states or or, or uh, royalties and this is all about trying to bring them back together and there's a big quest someone called this like disney animated avengers and i'm like in a way it is it is because it's about assembling a team with special abilities on a on a big uh on a, on a major purpose they have and um it, the writing is really well done it's got um aquafina as the dragon nice um, i love you've her you've got um uh, uh, Kelly Marie Tran as uh, Raya does a great job. Yeah, good, a- good, good, good. For, you know what? I, I enjoyed it. Talk to that poor woman. Everything she went yeah. through with Star Wars. So good for her. Yeah, I mean, so this is great that she got this role. It's it's really well done, beautiful. Like it's a beautiful movie. Um, it's it's about two hours long, which is nor- longer than a normal animated film. But it, yeah, it didn't I'd say so. It lagged. Uh, right. It really really went well. Uh, was it sappy? No, no, uh, no musical this time. Moana was awesome, but was a musical. Zootopia wasn't. Frozen is. So it's like they, they're choosing to make things musical or not based on if they really want to. So I think that's cool. But um, I think it's if you have a family. Um, and if it's just a single person, I would see it's hard to justify a $30 film rental. But if you're desperate right. or if you love the animation, I'd say it's <laughs> worth it. But if you have a family of four people, right. it would have right. cost you that much to see it in the theater. And guess what? You can watch it as many times as you want. And then it comes to Disney Plus for everybody else. It comes to Disney Plus, I believe, in three months. So so, you can, you, so what you're saying is when you rent it, you have it, you have it for 30 days? No, you own this. As long as you are a Disney Plus customer, you oh, own this. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's not a, so, not a rental. So, it's really a, it's, it's, they call it premiere 
maybe it's a premiere debut or something, but you own it uh, as long as you're a Disney Plus member. So hypothetically speaking, if they decide to go this route with the Black Widow, which hopefully they won't because we may feel a little bit more consumer confidence. But again, it's only two months away. That is the route that I'll want to go is what you're telling me. You don't own it like on a voodoo or something though you own it right on no exactly right exactly yeah. so but i will I, I would purchase it so i could watch it a bunch of times or whatever oh, yeah, it you is. Can watch it as many times you want and, to and, just... and then on down the road i would then purchase it on voodoo because i have all the movies anyway so right well because of the star wars and the star trek and the marvel i always i always own them that that's that's my rule so check it out it's uh there and if you're just want to be patient in three months it will be there in disney plus for everybody to enjoy deal well that is it but uh todd i hear the i hear the the distant drums of the mutants beckoning us over to the thunderdome uh to give them entertainment so i think that we better get on our way before things get violent all right yes so we're headed off to the thunderdome where the mutants have been gathered and vaccinated welcome to another edition of Thank you, Tina. The mutants have been gathered for a topic or a game to be entertained. And this week, it's a topic. Uh, We're talking about Superman 2, the Donner Cut. So, Charlie, tell us exactly what the Donner Cut is. Well, this is, you know, it's very controversial. Uh, As I remember, because I I saw an interview with uh, Chris Reeve, probably on the the disc uh, uh, of Superman one, which came out in 1978, but I think the DVD release was in 2000 or 2001, which it says right here, which he was talking about the fact that Donner had a falling out with these. Th- there was a weird uh, husband and wife duo from overseas somewhere, the Salkinds, that were the ones that bankrolled the, super, the Superman films. And they really came to loggerheads uh, with Donner uh, overall about him going on to produce Superman 2, which, as you and I were discussing, uh, was filmed kind of contemporaneously with this film. Um, so he, he, he filmed a bunch of things. Uh, he uh, slugged it out with the Saul Kinds, and then he got the boot. Uh, and they brought in th- – this was always the part of it that is just the absolute head scratch for me. The replacement director to finish Superman 2 was Richard Lester, who directed the Beatles films A Hard Day's Night and help. So he directed two slapsticky, super revenant, extremely British movies about the greatest band that ever lived, and then he moved on to do Superman. So absolutely no connective tissue thematically between those two genres at all, resulting in some of the absolute crappiest, stupidest takes that you ended up seeing in his film, which we can get into in a minute. But um, but yeah, Donner did shoot a bunch of things. He had other things storyboarded. Um, and that's kind of what, what we've uh, found in here. Um, but yeah, you know, one, one of the biggest rubs was, um, and particularly uh, in the in filming of the original film was Marlon Brando, who got like $12 million and $1980 or $1978 wow. to be in four minutes of footage. I mean, Tell me that there's any any greater uh, return on investment of his time than twelve million dollars wow. to be to do something for four minutes, which is maybe two or three days worth of work if you string it all together. If oh that, yeah, it was it as good as like his uh, his shining performance in the Island of Doctor Moreau? I mean, <laughs> it was weird. He, I think that was shortly before his death, and I think maybe he died because of that movie. Because Might I know have it, been. I know that it would have killed me without. Well, Kilmer tried to give him a hug, and he uh, collapsed. Probably. Oh, yeah. Crunch. Oh, yes. my God. Yeah. So, so anyway, yeah, uh, this all came to fruition uh, right around the time uh, that uh, 
Brian Singer's Superman Returns came out. And again, you and I, Todd, you and I have talked about that very underrated film. I like that take of it very much. I like Brandon Routh. Definitely had a great uh, Chris Reeve vibe. And this was a couple of years after Chris Reeve had passed. Um, so th- there was obviously there was a lot of buzz, Superman related buzz because of this coming out. And this is kind of where we uh, we got this coming from. So anyway, I've talked a lot. Why don't you take it on over? Yeah, you mentioned that, you know, uh, you talked about the, 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 the director they picked and, you know, could he could they have picked somebody better? And unfortunately, this was done at a time when superhero films were just there was one really. Yeah. And it really, was there was Superman. Which is, so which, which is what made which made, you know, Superman 78 such a big thing, because remember, you remember what the tagline of the film is, correct? Yeah, you'll believe a man can fly. Right. Which seemed absolutely fantastical. Where absolutely. today, absolutely everything is CGI and th- there's nothing that's beyond belief because they can they can make anything do anything. But yeah, having that having a man fly on film was seemed so revolutionary in 1978 even though they were doing it with wires or he was laying on a blue table and they you know comp- they, they composited it back in that was amazing and you know it was around the same time as star wars so which was like oh motion control cameras were perfected right around the same time the star wars came out which is what made all of those uh, space scenes so amazing so this was kind of the same thing yeah absolutely so you just did not have a lot of good track records with any of this i mean you had star wars and you had this uh for special effects because before that it really wasn't much of anything um and you had a lot of tryhards after but really this was where it was so the fact that they had to find somebody out of the blue i mean they must they must obviously had to pick somebody that they had either good uh working relationship with or somebody that hey i could do it cheap or you right. know i can do something else so it all and maybe they didn't like the tone and apparently lester was all about the the, the light touch the slapstick so uh, obviously oh uh, that was and again yeah uh, if i can interject the thing in this that is so painfully british trying to be american is when they go to the small town which i think it was in nebraska or montana or something idaho and they, yeah they made it america town but they made it so like the little boy was like, please, sir, that's my pa. Don't hurt my pa, sir. It's like, wow, you're trying too hard to be something that you're not, you know, or the the sheriff who was like, you got to blur, 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 son. And this and that. It was just like so painfully not genuine because those films were, were shot overseas anyway, which I think would really lend itself to having a British director. But it was so painfully like. Oh, I can really, you know, like I think Brits certainly look at like everything's like Texas and pew, pew, pew. You know, they, they have a view, just kind of a view of the way we Yankees are. You know what I mean? And that's really what that entire sequence seemed like. And, you know, Terrence Stamp's performance as General Zod was so over the top to start with that those things absolutely connected. But that just made me. I mean, you had Oliver Twist as a little boy, and he was wearing overalls with no shirt, and he had a, you know, he looked like Tom, you know, he looked like Huck Finn. It was just, it was, it was just bad. It just really, yeah. really un- underscored just how super hard they were trying to make it look American. Yeah, it's and it's going to be interesting because ultimately we do not have a lot of instances where this has happened we've had director's cuts which are essentially still the same director but it's his he got to put back in things that maybe were cut things like that edited for time uh blade runners were probably one of the most uh famous movies for having multiple cuts and people like which one's the the one you should watch and that's up for debate but we won't go into it but in this instance obviously you had they they let him go 
with when he had completed about 80 percent of this film um not everything was complete it was just right. filmed uh special effects etc still not done um and then obviously bring this guy in and then the cut i think the final cut they said was that lester redid about 70 percent refilmed because there's one scene i saw where at the end with zod where you saw the two scenes um and different versions of them they weren't that different. I mean, there was a little tweaks to them, but not much. So a lot of it probably was, I'm going to do a light touch on some of these things, but I want to have ownership of it. So it it, it is truly on, uh, interesting. And in the movie that we watched, the, director, the, the Donner's Cut, they didn't give you in any indication really what was different. So we did not watch too recently. So we don't have exactly our pulse on every different change. There's articles, though, that will talk about this um, that we're going to go into a little bit deeper later. But um, ultimately, um, we'll just give our take on Superman 2 overall, and then we'll talk about kind of what was different, what works better, what works, you know, what did not work with this, because we're going to have to do this again with the uh, Snyder Cut. Right. So this yeah. is kind of us, which is which is coming up next episode. So exactly. this is really us cutting our teeth um, right. with that. And obviously, I have not rewatched Justice League, and I'm not sure if I'm going to rewatch Justice League before the Snyder Cut comes out. But that was not that long ago, where I remember most of it. I won't remember right. every detail, but True. still. So this is kind of practice work for us. So in this instance, this is a long time ago that this all happened. So a lot of the stories, I mean, Donner's still alive, but I mean. The rest of the people, I don't know. I don't know if we all got the full true story of this, but this is kind of cool. Um, right. So we do have some things we'll go through. But overall, Superman 2, I mean, it, it's interesting how with Superman, they always – these movies, Lex Luthor was largely all, in all of them. I don't know right. what the deal was versus other superhero films where it was always a different villain. So right. it was an interesting – except for Magneto and the X-Men films, but it was kind of an interesting take on that. In this instance, Luthor took a step back. Um, from obviously the big heavies, the Kryptonians. Right. And th- th- as a kid, though, man, this kind of blew my mind because I'm like, this is so cool. It's like real, real super bad guys versus he's fighting an old dude that's bald. <laughs> you know, well, or he's fighting, he's fighting his schemes and his you know, machines. And he's got to chase nuclear missile or whatever it is. So, no, you're absolutely right. This was, you know, toe to toe. And that was the other thing, the big, uh, the big, you know, slug out that they had at night in Metropolis that, again, it just seemed like this is America town. You know, you had to have the bus with the coca. You had to have, you know, so <laughs> many the, advertisements. The, yeah, you had to, somebody got chucked into the big neon Coca-Cola sign. You had the I bus. Saw KFC reference. Exactly. I saw J, like JVC. It was like it was like Times Square, but right. not as big. But yeah, but it, it was you could tell it was a, a British director or a British environment let's say you know they shot this at elstree or levinson or one of the really big uh film studios in england uh that they're just trying to kind of america it up as much as humanly possible but yeah throwing in the big advertisements and i'm sure that that wasn't done not for the fact that they weren't getting paid to do it oh not free at all (laughs) no not free yeah there's no free lunch there's no doubt about it so um but yeah there there were aspects of it like (laughs) The thing that is the most ridiculous to me in this entire film is that Superman goes to the trouble to give up his powers, um, and then for some reason they have a car so that they can drive from the drive south from the North Pole to get out of there. I don't know where the car came from. Um, I didn't know that there was Uber up in you know the Northwest Territories in Canada, where the hell the Forks of Solitude is. They end up at a diner where this guy beats the shit out of Clark for no reason. This trucker. Uh, 
I mean, Clark is really a wuss. He pushes him through a glass window. He's like, ah, nobody makes me bleed my own blood. And, uh, yeah, Clark is just a total wuss puss. And then they, you know, find out that, oh, my God, he's Superman, whatever it is. And the movie goes on, and he has to fight his way back up north um, on foot. So Lois takes the car, and then he has to walk, you know, 400 miles back up north. And he negotiates with the dying Jor or the, the dying hologram of Jor-El and he gets his powers back, whatever it is, goes through the whole movie, does the fight. And then at the end of it, he has to go back as Superman and find a way to beat the shit out of this trucker bully, which is like, wow, Superman is extraordinarily petty. Not <laughs> great. I mean, again, it was played for laughs and was that a Lester thing or was that a Donner thing? But again, just seemed really totally ridiculous that why did he have to do that? Yeah, I, I think everything you saw in this trailer was was Donner's take. So okay. even though you said with a little boy, that was Donner's take. So I, I can't think you can put on Lester Green trying to hand this up. I think in a lot of ways, filming was less, especially the type of this thing. They they were trying to be over the top, very comic booky, and and Donner was very um, try to do things in a very stoic fashion at times. So um, that's where you did um, see a weird take on certain things which i thought was unique and different but um just let's just yeah really top line um you know just superman 2 overall um it was fun but it is it is of a time where the acting wasn't great the directing was regardless of who directed it was felt a little bit fast and loose at times it's like we're gonna let you know we're gonna let the actors just kind of almost act like they're in a uh, a play versus right. really being in a movie, which I just felt, it just felt right. off. Like, like Lex Luthor, man, he's just having a good time. I think maybe because he was probably the, you know, one of the biggest actors in that film or, or the right. biggest actor in that film. Well, yeah, I, I believe he got, uh, like Christopher Lloyd took third, or uh, Christopher Lloyd, Chris Reeve took third billing in the first Superman yeah. movie under Brando and then under Gene Hackman. Yeah. Um, Cause he was, he was really, he was nobody. You know, yeah. at the time, uh, and this was the role that made him. So I, I wouldn't, be, you know, again, you know, he still ended up playing kind of second fiddle to both of them in this film, uh, even though he, you know, he's Superman, he's the star, but he's the star, but he's not the star. So yeah, I enjoyed it, but again, you compare it to the first film, um, and then arguably, I love the third film because I love Richard Pryor, but it's it's completely ridiculous. Lex oh, Luthor, yeah. Lex Luthor is not in that one, but they had actor Robert Vaughn playing the same type of character and then we don't need to talk about superman 4 uh yes in any way shape or form need to talk about superman nuclear man yes yes yeah so yeah i mean really you got really two i would say a two solid films and yeah and then it kind of just went down from there so superman's not had a great history uh uh, but i mean obviously he is the pioneer of of heroes on screen so yeah i mean so it's not like it's not like we're gonna say like oh this donner cut is world's better than uh the lesser cut uh but they uh, they do have their differences in takes and yeah we can talk about that now um so some of the differences that i noticed right away was the beginning of this film um basically they did not want to pay brando in the lesser cut so you didn't see him again in this movie though they're like hey we're going to use yeah, Brando. We're going Brando. Yeah, he's all throughout. I mean, he's practically, yeah. again, he's practically like a starring character. Uh, he appears, obviously, in the pivotal uh, scene helping Superman, you know, dump his power so he can be human. Uh, and then they set up, they said, my son, I'll give you, you know, you, you, you know, you're seeing this crystal because, uh, you know, you fucked up and you need to get your powers back. But if you do that, the consequence is that the Fortress of Solitude will explode and blah, blah, blah. So you're right, without us having to watch 
the original film and see how that all played out because he went back and it's dark and I remember remembering for the original cut. He just goes back and he's kind of yelling into the darkness, Father, blah, 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 blah. And then, one, then the green crystal glows and then it happens off screen. Where in this, you know, it just, they, they, they practice it a little bit more. Oh, that's what was definitely missing from this film is the whole Lois Lane is in Paris and she's in an elevator in the Eiffel Tower and Superman has to fling it into the into space. Or am I misremembering? Did that end up in this film? What's that again? Did that end? Did that? Did that? You weren't. You weren't listening. It, no, I was, was, just... I, was I not looking? And did, did they cut that out? And he flung a missile into space. Yeah, because he flung a missile into space. It well, wasn't that was, that was the very beginning of the movie. So that's what I was saying. Because right. the very beginning of the movie was there was a uh, a missile from the first movie where he got rid oh, of it, right, and it right, was right, in right, outer right. space. And then, and uh, then all it, the it hits, yeah, it hits the record album. That the three Kryptonians are in it to freeze them from the fans. Absolutely, okay. yeah. So okay. this one kind of opened that way, but it was all uh, it was all about. It had some flashbacks um, to the prior movie, and then obviously it walked in on the trial of the Kryptonian uh, criminals, and that's how they were taken away. But I believe in the lesser cut, you know, obviously it was more Superman's mother was involved, and right. you also had saw basically what the criminals did to get themselves uh, in, uh, you know, the, the, the rings of justice, or whatever that thing was called, where they were held <laughs> up there. But yeah, I mean, so that was kind of a different take. So it was kind of a weird way to open that film because I felt like it was like, here you go. But obviously it must not have been able to get those cuts together very well. So that's why the editing in this just seems a little bit off. Um, you talked about this earlier, Charlie, when we were talking about this, but there were scenes that weren't even completed, like the scene where Lois Lane is kind of an odd bird in this movie, like just all over the world. Like she just is so obsessed with Superman that she's obsessed that she's going to uncover that it is truly Clark Kent. So she throws herself out of a building at the Daily Planet in hoping Clark will catch her as Superman. Nope. He tries to foil her. Thankfully, she doesn't die. Uh, that wasn't in that movie, uh, in the movie, I believe. Um, and then she tries to shoot him with with a, but it's blanks to get him to prove his identity. So it's like, man, Lois was a little. I didn't like the take on this. I felt right. like she felt too much like a sick, you know, uh, lovesick puppy dog. Yeah, well, she and she was and she wasn't because she was still seemingly very aloof, which is kind of it's funny because that's kind of a quality in the character that I think you see in, in other takes of Lois Lane. Like I noticed that in some of the DC animated movies I've seen, I've noticed that in the new Superman and Lois uh, show that's on the CW that Lois is just very aloof. Um, where in this movie, you see her, she kind of breaks down. And that's another one, the big ending of the movie, because in the Lester cut, um, she uh, she has a has a big uh, there's a big you know he uses the mind erasing uh, mind erasing um, kiss to but where in this he flies into space and he whips around the earth again and um, turns you know so he uses the same old trick again yeah, turns so. back time yeah which was just the, and makes everything essentially uh, that didn't happen in the movie so they they are not together as a couple. Um, everything's resolved in a very – that's such a weird way to, to, to go through the same um, deus machina again. I mean why even do that? It just seems cheap, and it seems like right. you don't really know what to do. So in a way, uh, uh, a mind-altering kiss versus everything else, I mean they're about as relevant – You know, they're, they both make as much sense, I guess, as, as either one. Yeah, totally. So yeah, I mean I, I would say on par, uh, I like the downer cut better. You know, I, I just and again, maybe it's 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 this mistaken notion I have that 
Richard Lester is very farcical, and I feel like more of it was ridiculous because of him, but you're telling me that it's not. But it's still, that's kind of stuck in my head. I think about my fondness for the first film um, and and things done there. And yeah, he uses kind of the same, like, I'm going to spin the earth around backwards, which is ridiculous and not something that Superman has ever done in any other incarnation of being Superman. Um, But I still find this to be more plausible. I don't know what it is. Or it just simply seems that the the films one and two share a little bit more connective tissue. Um, and sure they, it, it, I, I, maybe I'm not mistaken, but does the Superman do the thing where he pull, he pulls at his, his, you know, house of L S logo and he throws it in a cellophane and it wraps around the one guy. Did that get cut from this one? Oh yeah. Not in this one. Yeah. So, okay. I didn't think, yeah, so. the final battle in the, you know, the, the very end piece is, it was pretty much the same. And I, I totally forgot they just became humans and they fell to their death. I mean, right. <laughs> Yeah. Which is very, yeah, which is very, yeah, the, you know, and then Superman, he crushes Zod's hand, and yeah, he yes. throws him down a chasm, and then Nan, who is the big guy, jumps, and then the other one, Lois, just punches her, and she falls to her death, and they're like, yeah, fuck it, it's good, we're good, it's cool. I'm blowing up the, yeah, I'm blowing it up, why did you even blow it up, they're dead already, so it's not, yeah, I, mean, exactly. I guess he doesn't want anybody else coming in, and, and right. but yeah, there was just some odd choices, um, yeah, I felt like, um, it was so funny. I didn't realize Zod said Neil before Zod like eighty five thousand times. Yeah, that was he was definitely going for catchphrase status in that one. Oh yeah, I mean it makes sense, I guess. But um, yeah, the, the the direction was a little bit wooden in regards to the Kryptonians. They were just one note, which is kind of disappointing, but obviously very you know iconic the way they look. I don't, I, although I would say this, Charlie, I don't think in all my days going to comic cons and things like that, I've ever seen anyone cosplay as the Kryptonians. It's kind of an odd look. Very balloony, it, pantaloonies. Yeah, exactly. It's very hammer pants with the the V and the black Puff shirt. Yeah, the, and, the, the, the shirt. Yeah. And their outfits don't really match the other Kryptonians that you see again in in kind of flashback scenes in those first two films, which is a neon white. They're You're like a rap. Rowing. They're like a like a like a um. It's like maybe a, 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 Yeah, maybe it's like shiny. a rap. Yeah. A, uh, a rap team, maybe back in the day, or, or uh, yeah, dance. right, street <laughs> break team, dance yeah, team, exactly, break, yeah, right, exactly, Bre- yeah, street team, exactly. So, um, yeah, I would be, I'm sure if you hit the Googs and you looked up, um, you know, crypto, Superman two Kryptonian cosplay, there's probably there's always a cosplay out there of something. But yeah, I agree yeah. with you. Yeah, it's just a, it's just some interesting choices they made, some of the editing, uh, you know, and, and it, I imagine for the actors to then say, oh, you have to refilm this with another director. That kind of had to be a really crappy experience. Right. No. Yeah, I totally agree. So regardless, like I said, I would take I would take the Donner cut over the primary cut, even though this is very rough. Um, the, the whole Richard Richard Lester thing kind of burns me. Um, and some of the things that he did in, that, that were obviously him. Uh, because they don't show up in this Donner cut, um, are are ridiculous. Yes. And, and so he kind of yes. took me away from the movie. So, and again, all I'll ever think about is that I and I, and I lo- I'm an enormous Beatles fan. I'm a huge music fan. The Beatles were kind of my gateway band, and I love a Hard Day's Night and and Help. But Hard Day's Night and Help are not Superman. So no. it just it just does not connect for me. So, but I get I get kind of that same vibe, and I don't like it. Yeah. Oh, well, uh, you know, not everything can be uh, Hard Day's Night and everything can be Superman 1. So, um, exactly. you know, we got we kind of got the uh, the mixed bag that is. But this is good. Like I said, this is good practice for us to get ready for uh, the Justice yeah, that, League Snyder, the Justice Snyder League. Cut. Yeah. And yeah. we're seeing that that comes out on the 17th. Comes out Thursday, the 18th. Thursday, yeah. Yep. So, so, so we're probably yeah. going to record probably uh, a little bit later than normal because we're hoping to have a guest on. And then right. this will be out next Friday. 
Right. So yeah, we will. Uh, yeah, we'll tee it up, and we will uh, <laughs> set aside maybe two days with lots of pee pee breaks to watch the movie, and then we Oof. will we will be reporting it back. Yeah, four hours. My God, it's like wasn't isn't Gandhi the longest movie that was ever produced? Or like, is this competing with that? I well, we should check and see what the longest films in history are, and yeah. at least commercially viable films versus like an art Com- project. <laughs> commercially viable. Sure, films. there was a. I'm, I'm sure there was a Yoko Ono uh, right. film project. Yeah. Right. But anyway, we will report back on that next week. But this was fun. I love this. Uh, I'm enjoying talking about DC comic stuff. I'm kind of on a kick right now. Um, so I know that we have plans to talk about uh, the Justice League Elseworld tale, The Nail, uh, here in a couple of weeks. Because I'm just finishing. There are two volumes of it. Because that, uh, Todd, I messaged you yesterday that trade that I downloaded is like 300 pages. Well, there was a I, sequel to it. Well, that's that's what yeah. I was trying to say because yeah, it's uh it, that's too damn long. So I I, I intend to, I think we should intend well, to stick talk with about the original. It, the original that sounds good. But yeah, I, I'm really enjoying it so far. So, um, so yeah, yeah, DC Comics. Uh, that's that's new one for me. So I'm throwing myself into it. So I'm digging it. Absolutely. So that is it for the show, folks. Hopefully you had a good time. Let us know what you liked or did not like about the Donner Cut compared to the original. And if there are any other really strange director cuts that were similar, similarly steeped in controversy, let us know. And we'd love to hear your opinion about those. Absolutely correct. And uh, and then it comes on over to me. But thank you, as always, friends, for joining us. We are one of four delightful programs brought to you on a weekly slash bi-weekly basis on the Secret Friends Unite uh, podcasting network. You're obviously listening to SFU Prime, as I tend to call it. That's Todd and I have been doing this show for over six years uh, and enjoying talking about geek culture. Uh, Todd started a couple of years ago the co-op mode with our friend uh, Mark Carabin, the Canardian, talking about video games. Uh, Alex Terry and I just last fall started Code 47, which talks about Star Trek on a weekly basis. And the Canardian and I circled back to start a podcast about Star Wars called The Holocron. The Chronicles coming to you bi-weekly. Todd is our maven uh, when it comes to getting our shows over on YouTube, but the uh, audio only. But speaking of audio, you can find our show on any streaming service kind of of your privilege. Uh, give us a rating uh, and a review there, uh, and you can get a wonderful digital prize from our digital prize closet uh, for leaving us a five-star review. Uh, also hit us up over on Twitter, at SecretFriendsU. Let us know something you're enjoying, thoughts on the show, a question you have, a topic uh, that you'd love us to take on. <clears throat> We're actually looking to, and because we've been talking about this the last couple of weeks, and uh, I mentioned it when Mark and I were uh, recording Holocron last week, that we're looking to take Secret Friends Unite to a proper website uh, with original content sometime in the near future. So keep your eyes peeled for that uh, over on our Facebook group, and we'll be letting you know about it. Uh, as always, we do have a great merchandise store over at Public: Shirts, hoodies, Pillows, wall art, mugs, stickers, etc. Uh, all proceeds from that do actually benefit uh, a local charity here in Michigan that my wife and I are a part of called the League of Enchantment, which does outreach uh, work for kids, nationwide hospital visits, care packages, and things of that nature. So uh, know that when you go to our store, uh, that all of our logos are there. And so whatever you purchase to do will actually end up benefiting uh, the children of the good old U.S. of A. In America town in Idaho. Uh, where those terrible Kryptonians go, they should all be wearing SFU t-shirts. Houston, Idaho. <laughs> Houston, Idaho. Exactly correct. So that's it for me. Thanks again for joining us. I'm going to tell you, as always, that sharing is caring, and to keep on trucking. Be the hero, not the villain. In a truck. Kneel before Todd. <laughs> Superman 2. 
The adventure continues with the three villains from Krypton. Each one with the same powers as Superman. Each one dedicated to violence against mankind. Think of it. Three supervillains. Or four if you count him twice. The adventure continues in Paris with Lois Lane. I believe this is your floor. And the romance continues. The adventure continues in Washington. The world is on the brink of destruction. Superman, can you hear me? And Metropolis is in ruins. Is there no one on this planet to even challenge me? Superman! General, would you care to step outside? Revenge! 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 Now we're cooking, huh? Big one's just as strong as Superman. If you've only seen the first part, you haven't seen the best part. The adventure continues in Superman 2.